1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103 every day this week and means we'll do it again today we are teaming up with our good friends at the Everyman in uh, Cork it is nearly Panto time of the year and Cork's favourite traditional pantomime at the Everyman this year is Cinderella it opens on the 1st of December but we are sending families along to a very special uh, night at the Panto December the 13th when we'll be asking people to arrive at 6 for a VIP reception with face painters and musicians and sweets for all uh, and then you'll head on in to see the pantomime at half seven. Also, uh, Son of a Bun on McCurtain McCart- Street in Cork, where they uh, serve the best burger in Ireland. They are giving a €50 Euro f- voucher for each family of four. So you can grab your burger before or after the pantomime. It is up to you. We'll give you a pantomime question a little bit later on on the programme. Stay tuned for your cue to call and your chance to win the family pass, which is for four people to see Cinderella at the Everyman on Thursday the 13th of December. We will do that a little bit later on. Now coming up on the programme this morning a lot of different topics uh, to be discussed. We're going to discuss why we need a change in public attitude to uh, rape uh, and why we need to look at legislation in this country. There's been a lot of high profile uh, cases that have come before the court and I think this whole issue of consent has come up and of course the... The introduction, by way of defence, of the victim's clothing and suggesting the type of clothing that the young woman was wearing is in some way evidence of consent, and that's caused a lot of upset and a lot of controversy. Uh, so we're going to be discussing with uh, Nolene Blackwell of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, who is in herself a lawyer as well. She's talking about what needs to be done from the judicial point of view but also talking about this change in public attitude when it comes to uh, rape. The issue of organised begging in Cork City, we mentioned this yesterday but unfortunately uh, didn't get to it and actually I was surprised, while in particular we're talking about just how organised it seems to be and appears to be in the city. Couldn't get over the number of people saying that there's a lot of begging going on in the county as well, in the major county towns. It isn't just a city issue. So we'll look at that. We're hearing about bats nesting and because bats are nesting it's holding up the building of a new reservoir in the North Cork village of Kildallery, a village that has been besieged by water problems. And the last thing they need to hear is that the much promised reservoir, which is going to solve a lot of their problems, is that it's going to be a delay in the building of that reservoir because of bats. Now there is the other side, the bats are a protected species so you are going to have environmentalists saying hold on a tick, do not do anything to disturb these bats. So we'll look at that issue today. Doug for the Disabled they're a Cork based charity who do amazing work and uh, well, I couldn't believe when I was reading up on them yesterday evening that they're going now, uh, it's over 10 years so there's a huge amount of families have been helped because of the dogs they train. These are highly trained dogs and they do, they give such independence to the people that they are assigned to. They are looking for help from families in Clonakilty who would be willing to get involved in their puppy programme and we'll tell you more about how you can do that. And then we're going to say, stay on the topic of dogs but this time kind of a much more sadder issue. Trying to find out why so many people are giving up their dogs and ringing up dog shelters to say um, Fido we no longer want Fido. Can you take them in please? And there seemingly has been such a demand on the dog shelters and the dog charities that we're going to be talking with one of the main dog charities in Cork who have been forced to turn off their phones and say no room at the inn. We have to, we can't take any more uh, dogs because they're overwhelmed by the number of dogs and puppies they already have and they're getting very overwhelmed by the number of people that are calling them and you know the majority of people that work in these uh, these animal shelters are volunteers they find it very hard to say no to people but I'm trying to get to the bottom of why are so many people what are the reasons that they give when they ring now I know you could probably say well aren't they being responsible they no longer want this dog they're not just dumping it out on the street and then it becomes everybody else's problem they are Trying in some way to get the animal rehomed. But I can never understand if you take a dog into your, your home you know what's the saying the dog isn't for Christmas it's, it's for life they become for people listening that have a much loved dog they will never be able to understand how anyone would suddenly look at Fido one day and say no we, we don't want you anymore now we're going to give you off to the dog pound and what does it do to the dog who has been so loyal to the family that it's lived with to suddenly get all excited going in the car and they get dropped dropped off to an animal shelter and then the person drives away I mean are they forever at the cage waiting you know where's where's Mammy and Daddy where's those kids that I play with every day are they coming back to get me it must be so confusing for the poor animal as well so that and more going to be discussed today your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning this week Uh, Leona O'Callaghan from Limerick became a household name when she waived her anonymity following the rape conviction of Patrick O'Dea on dates in 1994 and 1995. Miss O'Callaghan said the judicial system had torn her to pieces. The Director of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, Nolene Blackwell, uh, says there needs to be a change in legislation and in public attitudes towards rape. And Nolene Blackwell uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Nolene. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, you're, and you're welcome. This brave, brave woman saying that she was torn to pieces by the system. Have you heard that from other rape victims?
3: Yes, we've heard it. Other rape crisis centres, Sexual Violence Cork will have heard it. We, we hear about people who go in with faith into the criminal justice system, expecting that the purpose of the system is to actually charge the person who committed the crime and to convict them if they're found guilty. And what they feel happens is that they're the person who goes in and goes on trial, whereas in, in this case, in Leona O'Callan's case, Patrick O'D. Uh, did not plead guilty until halfway through the trial, so or in a couple of days into the trial, so that she was put through everything. When you think about it, sexual violence crimes are one of the few areas, in fact, the only area I can think of, where the harm is the central part of of the case. The case requires the victim to go over again and again what happened to her, or indeed to him, and to repeat it in in a way that is understandable to police, to the director of public prosecutions, to the the lawyers in court, to jurors, all of the time going over and over the harm that was done to them. No wonder people have, have a horror of that already. And then add to that the fear that people have going in. Our system is not a one which is sympathetic towards the victim. It is one where it where in fact the victim is only a bit player. She's not the most important person in the court. The important people in the court are the state doing the prosecution, the accused, who must of course be entitled to make their full defence and the victim is not really considered within the system. It's starting to happen, Patricia, but it is nowhere near enough for people to have faith in the system going into it. And still, you have to say, for Leona O'Callaghan and for all the other brave people who do go into the system, who give their impact statements, talking about the hurt and the harm done to them in their most private, intimate in the most private, intimate way. When you think of all of that, you just have to say they are great and people continue to do it and they are amazing that people will have will have the sense that it is only right that uh, they should report a crime, that the crime should be investigated and that the person who carried out the crime should be prosecuted and subject to conviction.
2: Yeah, and I, I actually when you mentioned... Um Uh, Leona's victim impact statement I would suggest anybody to take time to read it It, it's harrowing but it's a really really powerful uh, victim impact uh, statement the other thing that really got to me from Leona was her saying like it took four long years for the case to to come to court Uh, uh, you know you're a lawyer have you an understanding of why that takes so long? Right
3: Right. well well, we we do know we do know this happens now they can come to court more quickly and some do but it is going to be at least 18 months from the time somebody is charged in the normal way. And four years is not an exceptionally long time. It is unacceptable, but it is reasonably normal. So all sorts of things happen. Uh, A a judge isn't available on the day that the case is called. Um, A witness isn't available. Uh, The person, the, the complainant, the victim, only hears about this when they go into court. A case is started, it has to be stopped. Uh, a judgment is due on a particular day and the judge isn't available because they're caught up in another case. Uh, somebody is to give uh, their victim impact statement on a day. Well, sorry, another case ran over. So oh, the management God. of these cases is is something that really, truly needs to be addressed. I sometimes make the comparison with the commercial courts, where right? there's a whole lot of big money cases involved. In those cases, they're run like clockwork. If somebody doesn't turn up, well, then they're punished for it. Uh, there's no question that a lawyer would say, I'm stuck in another case, and therefore I can't go on with this one. Because the commercial realities are that it costs money when uh, when companies don't get ahead with their cases. The same care is not given in, in criminal cases. And in criminal cases, where sexual offences are concerned, There are very vulnerable people involved, people who gear themselves up sometimes for days and weeks and months to give their statement in court, only to find that there are all these unexpected delays. Or there can be also, particularly in case of child sexual abuse, and I have to hand this as well, I have to recognise this, where somebody is making a report in later years Mm -hmm. about something that happened when they were a child there are additional difficulties in collecting the evidence. There are ways in which that is a more complicated arrangement than when you can say maybe collect physical evidence because it happened earlier that day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in those cases, the investigation is more difficult. But one of the problems we have is that not all... And um, The whole country is not, we're not set up for that. Our police investigation system is not set up for the kind of specialist child sex abuse investigation that needs to happen. Every single division of the Gardaí is supposed to have a protective services unit, a place simply dedicated to domestic violence, sexual violence and those kind of intimate cases. Only four of the state's 28 divisions have them right now. That's shocking. Yeah, and six more are promised by the end of this year. But there will still, if, if that happens, and I now know it's nearly the end of November and they haven't actually been put in place, but maybe they will be. Will they be properly staffed, even the 10 that are there, and there will be a further rating. So investigation of child sexual abuse of its nature is difficult and can be slower. But it is not helped by the fact that we don't have adequate resources to do it
2: either. And Nolan, in the case that we had here in in Cork that I'm all made national and international headlines of the young woman's underwear uh, being used as as a line of of defence, that has to stop, surely?
3: Well, that, in some ways, what I find interesting about that, Patricia, is the way that the examiner picked up on that and reported that as news, because the truth is, far too often in our court system, and indeed in our broader society, but specifically in our court system, there is a sense in which the way people dress is considered to be relevant to whether they were raped or not. Um, uh, Like another reporter said, I heard her say yesterday, nobody ever says, that man clearly went out in a t-shirt, determined to rape somebody. You don't hear yeah, that, yeah. but you certainly, at at every level, from the time a person goes to the Gardaí, unless the guy is properly trained, right through the system, right through the justice system, there is a question. Maybe she did drink too much and and brought it on herself. Maybe she should have been more vocal and brought it on herself when she wasn't. Maybe the way she was dressed. Did was provocative and led to the rape. So those are things that go right through our justice system and even experienced lawyers who know that the only person responsible for rape is the rapist and that rape happens when there is sex without consent. That's the only way that rape happens. Even they in, in their heads, we all carry with us biases and understandings. And I don't know how persuasive that uh, that argument was by the council. And I recognise that there was a case in which a man was acquitted of rape. But in the case, it is it was really interesting for us to, to have it reported, what we know happens regularly, yeah. that the, the dress a girl is wearing is very often brought into the argument to try and make a case that the way she was dressed meant she was more... Consent. She was halfway there to
2: consent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but then isn't it up to the judge to tell the jury to disregard um, evidence yes. about clothing? Yes, yeah. and
3: perhaps perhaps the judge did in this case, actually. I, I wasn't at the trial Yeah. I don't know, and I and I, I, I I don't it. know either. And I'm yes. conscious
2: of the, to the clock because I know you've got to be away. Just one final yes. question: What about the recommendations to exclude the public from rape trials in Northern Ireland? Is that something we should introduce here?
3: Uh, that's something we have. Northern Ireland would be following us. We don't allow the public into rape trials down south, and uh, and that's something that Northern Ireland will probably come into line with as well with us, or it should. But they they operate uh, the the system in the rest of the United Kingdom, which is the public are allowed. It, oh, of course, that um, that's the why king.
2: That's why we yeah. had all the information from, from the Belfast one, yes, of course. Yes. All right, Nolene, we'll let you go. I appreciate you taking time out to talk to thank us. You, thank you. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Nolene Blackwell, who is uh, the director of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. 1850 333 lines open. Court today.
1: With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103.
4: Follow C103 on Facebook. Join us today and stay up to date with everything happening across Cork.
2: Simply search Facebook for C103. And Patrick Fomoy has been onto the comment line to say calls. uh, He's getting calls this morning, and it looks like they're in the Fomoy area, uh, claiming to be from his broadband provider, saying his broadband was compromised. And you know, the usual, this is the one where he's been asked to press one. And of course, he knows by pressing one, he'll end up in a premium line, which will cost him a fortune heard enough about these scams to know it was a scam and he hung up immediately but just wants to pass it on to anybody else listening in the formoy area. They seem to be blitzing that area. That's the way they seem to do it. They'll go by, they'll take one particular area who'll get a volume of calls into it and then they'll move on to another area. But that's not to say that you couldn't get a call anywhere across the city or county. So be uh, warned, please, never engage with any of those uh, people. Now, yesterday on the programme we were discussing discussing, it was in the middle of our discussion about home helps and how we needed more home helps and people, the bed blockers, which is one of those awful words that's used, delayed discharges, elderly people who are in acute beds in hospitals. They don't need to be there. They either need to be at home with a little bit of support or they need to be in a step-down facility or a nursing home. And for the ones that need to be at home with a little bit of support, they can't go home without the support. And that's the need for home care packages and home helps. And we had a variety of people contact us yesterday some people who work as home helps giving out about the HSC saying the HSC are giving out hours. Some actually were almost saying that it looked like the HSC were instead giving all of the home help hours to the private suppliers. It, it would. It sounded like what some people were saying was almost like the HSC are trying to get rid of employing their own home helps and that they'll just directly go down the route of. All of the home help being provided into the future will be by private uh, companies. That's what some people are insinuating. I'm not saying that that's what the HSC are doing at the moment. But in the middle of all of that, a person who works at a home help said that they have an, addi- an added problem in the Kilty area in that there are not enough respite beds in Clonic Hilty Hospital and that many of the respite beds that were always at Clonic Hilty Hospital are gone because of the step down beds that are being used. This is where very successfully I have to say Clonic Hilty Hospital is being used as a step down facility for I think in the main I think it's for uh, CUH people that no longer need to be in an acute bed in CUH but they still need hospital care. They've been offered beds in Clonic Hilty Hospital you know and it's people from the West Cork area working really really successfully but at the time when we announced that those beds were happening and I remember Jim Daly was one of the ones pushing for it and I thought it was a terrific idea to use the smaller hospitals in that way I remember clearly asking him will this affect respite beds and he said absolutely not, these beds are new beds they're not in any way going to affect uh, respite beds so I was surprised when I heard from this home help yesterday that there's a problem with respite beds and there's not as many respite beds in Clon Hospital because of these step down beds and this person said they know what they're talking about because they are giving home help to a patient who is waiting three months for an emergency respite bed. And if you're uh, you you t- if you're if an emergency for a respite bed, you take it, you're at the top of the respite list. And to be waiting three months, it looks like there's something wrong there. So we put a call through to uh, Minister Jim Daly to see what was going on with Plan Hospital, seeing as he was the one we had been contacted, in contact with, and the one that we'd spoken to about these uh, step-down beds. And in fairness to uh, Minister Jim Daly, he's been back to us to say, With regards to the respite beds at Clonacilty Hospital, the old Block 1 ward at the hospital is currently being renovated and upgraded to accommodate the 14 transitional, that's what they're called, transitional care beds at the hospital. These works are due to be completed in the next coming weeks. During this renovation work, it has been necessary to reduce the amount of respite beds at the hospital for a number of weeks as the ward is obviously closed temporarily. Previously, the 14 transitional care beds were allocated throughout the various different wards at the 122 bed hospital. I very much welcome and support the decision by the hospital management to locate all the transitional care patients coming from CUH to Clonacilty for their recovery period of anything from a couple of days to weeks in the, the one reconfigured and renovated ward. I very much regret any inconvenience to families seeking respite but ensure them that the full complement of 120 beds will be open and utilised in a number of weeks as soon as the builders and the decorators are off-site. It's worth noting that these 14 transitional care beds have the potential to free up 14 acute beds at CUH every day of the year. The initiative is very successful, Thanks to the buy in from the staff and GPs in the area, and has been uh, replicated this winter across a number of other community hospitals throughout uh, the country. So it's, it's good to hear that others are, are taking the lead from Clonacilty Hospital because it's, it's a terrific idea because there are people in an acute bed who still need a bit of care but are not sick enough to be in an acute bed and then we know there are people waiting to get into the acute bed in the likes of CUH. So the actual plan is good. It's just it's just unfortunate that while they're renovating and doing up the ward and I do think the hospital management are right. If you've got 14 transitional care beds, people coming to stay in Sonny Hospital for a short period of time anything from a few days to a few weeks it's right to keep them all together um, and their needs will be different as well to the patients, the long term patients that are in the hospital and their needs obviously were very different to the people who are being in respite beds so it is right to keep them together so it's just a pity that that renovation work is going on but while it's going on the unfortunate and the downside to it is there are a lack of respite beds which is gut wrenching for families who in many cases just count down the weeks and months to uh, getting a bit of respite for the patient that they're caring for because respite is a double whammy for the person who gets the respite it's great it's a change of scene and all of that and it can be a bit of a break from you know the normal daily routine that they have at home but for the carers at home is the real plus. It gives them the chance to kind of breathe, maybe get a good night's sleep, maybe look after themselves a little bit and just get them to recharge their batteries so that their loved one can come back home after the period of respite and then they can all start again. Great big happy family and they kick off again down the road and they keep going for another while until again they need another break from respite. And you know, many families really do count down and look forward to that bit of respite. So it is disappointing. I'm always disappointed whenever I hear that there's a problem with people not accessing uh, respite so the good news is that that work is going to be completed in the coming weeks so we take it in plenty of time for Christmas and the respite will be back up and running in Clonacilty uh, Hospital Uh, 185333103 and the other issue that we were waiting on a reply from was something that came in it was on Monday to the programme from a listener who was complaining about the ladies football match uh, fixture and that the match is due to take place on the 8th of December in Parnell Park in uh, Dublin. And one listener was saying, good God, like of all days, December the 8th in Dublin, the amount of people heading to Dublin to do their shopping. And, it's, you know, it's, it's a busy, busy day. In the city, I mean, all cities and large towns. It's always a busy day, December the eighth, and it still is. It's one of those things. I mean, I don't know. Over the years, certainly when I was growing up, it was the. It's kind of the start of Christmas, wasn't it? It was the big shopping uh, day. Don't know. I mean, is, is it as big? Is December the eighth as big today as, as it ever as ever it is? Anyway, it, well, I think when it falls on a Saturday, it probably is busier than any than other years than when it falls during the week. But anyway, it is a Saturday this year, and you know some of the sports. Ladies' football was saying, Hang hey, on a tick, this match is always on on a Sunday. Why is it suddenly on a Saturday? What's going on and, and why, you know, everyone being dragged to Dublin on that, that day of all days? So we said we would contact the GAA to ask them could they explain to us why the match was on on a Saturday and not on a Sunday because the at least it was on the following day it would be a bit better it wouldn't be coinciding with December the 8th so we got on to the GAA who got back to us straight away we got on to Croke Park saying well nothing to do with us here honey nothing to see here move along you need to contact the Ladies Gaelic Football Association because they're responsible for when the match is uh, staged where it's staged and on what day it is staged so we got on to the Ladies Gaelic Football Association and this is their response. The senior and intermediate finals will be played at Parnell Park on Saturday December the 8th times to be confirmed. The reason they're being played on Saturday is to ensure TG Cahar coverage for both games. Last year just the senior final was on linear TV but this time both games are going to be screened and both games are going to be screened live to accommodate TG Cahar's scheduling We're staging our senior and intermediate finals on the Saturday, but the junior final still goes ahead on the Sunday but the senior and intermediate one on the Saturday and that certainly is good news that it's going to be televised that it's going to go out uh, live on TG Carr so that certainly is a little bit of uh, good news okay because some people were getting suspicious saying oh is there there a men's match on on the some people were sarcastically suggesting that there might have been a men's match on, on the Sunday and was that the reason that the ladies ones were put back to the Saturday but it isn't it's to do with showing the game live and that will accommodate a lot of people who won't be able to get to Dublin who will be able to watch the match live and I'm just being given in breaking news staying on the topic of sport uh, doesn't really come as a surprise Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane have resigned from their roles with the Republic of Ireland the Republic of Ireland have been having a bad bad run and some people were calling for their heads on a plate certainly calling for Martin O'Neill's head on a plate but both Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane have officially announced that they are resigning from their roles. I don't know if it's of immediate effect will, and then we will have more on this certainly in the news at uh, 11 o'clock. But your thoughts on that? Martin O'Neill, Roy Keane resigning from their roles at the Republic of Ireland. Is it something? You welcome. 1850 333 Lines are open. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103
1: 103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie
4: C103 Hi, this is Nick Richards. It's that time of year again. And guess who's joining me
1: on the afternoon show? Ho, ho, ho! I'm really looking forward to to you all on C-103. <laughs>
4: Santa Claus is here to take your calls as we count down to the big day, and he could be talking to you. Go to c103.ie and fill out the special entry form for your chance to get a phone call from the big man himself.
1: Get ready for Santa's Christmas calls. I could be talking to your little ones with Nick Richards, only on C-103.
2: <laughs> this is the Cork Today replay on C103 And uh, we're going to pick up on that uh, breaking news story which has come in of uh, Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane uh, resigning from their roles with the Republic of Ireland Uh, Trevor Welsh, sports broadcaster and commentator with Virgin Media Sports uh, joins me with uh, his reaction. Uh, Good morning to you Trevor Morning Chris. Does it come as any surprise to you?
5: No I have to say it it doesn't come as, as as a big surprise. I mean um, the Republic of Ireland and the style of play uh, of recent recent times has been heavily criticised. Trish, I mean, besides the results, the performance has been too poor, and they haven't improved. I mean, one win in ten matches speaks for itself. You know, as well, Trish, that it's a results game. That's what you're judged on, managers, and uh, you know, the results have been very poor. And no and the, goals the, the, the in the last
2: four outings. Yeah,
5: that's true, and uh, no goals in the last four. And uh, you know, besides that, you know, one shot on target. Um, I think in in three matches, one shot on target in in, in three full matches, you know, it's it's just not good enough. I mean, I know we haven't the biggest pick in the world, and we've uh, been hit with some, um, no injuries to key men, and we we can't afford that as as a nation. Um, We don't have the biggest pick in the world, obviously, but, you know, it's just the style of play, and um, I think that the fans... You know, we we were frustrated by that. You saw in recent matches as well, a lot of empty seats. They've either they're just not playing as well as football that like you want to turn up on a cold night but they've even watched you know a game of football. But um you know, it's um I think the main problem all along was maybe the financial payout for Roy and for Martin was, what was it, up to three million or something, and they'd have the yeah. main stumbling block block all along. But you know, as we mentioned that you know, it's, it's it was hard to see them continue continuing with no real improvement in the team.
2: And do you blame both or one more than the other? Well, it's a,
5: it's a, it's a team, I suppose. There's a, there's a number of coaches in there. The Walford as well. Um, and it just wasn't happening, happening for them. I mean, it happens in football for so often at club level, as you know. You know, there comes a time when it's not happening between the group of players and the manager. And it's not personal. I think it's time to move on then, you know. I mean, uh, the fans have been heavily criticising the team. Pundits, former players have been crit- critical of Martin O'Neill's style of play and you know, and, um, you know, things he wasn't getting right as a manager. And, um, you know, I, I suppose to be fair to him and Roy, we did qualify for the Euros in 2016. And we were very, very close to qualifying for the World Cup in the summer, you know. But it's just since the Denmark hammering uh, when we were well beaten off the park. Just hasn't improved, and then it's gone downhill since then. And I think that's the the, the main problem. And um, you know, I'm not surprised that it, it's happened
2: because he always comes across uh, Martin O'Neill as as a likable guy. I mean, I, I people like him.
5: Yeah, I like him as well. I'd be honest. I interviewed him a number of times, I, even when he was with Chelsea. I interviewed him in Chatham Peak stuff, and he always oh, time for me, time for everybody, really. Um, you know, but um, you could see that uh, it was getting to him when he had that uh, kind of spat with RT as well. You know, and he. He wouldn't wouldn't take criticism easily, and he had a problem with, with the panel. But um, you know, um, he, he is. He, I, I always get on with him. He's a nice guy. He was in Cork recently for the Festival of Football, and I think he came across well. And he was genuinely optimistic about you know the commitment that the players was spot on, and that they will improve. But things didn't improve; that they've actually got worse. So you know, I think um, I think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised that uh, you know they've come to an end.
2: Yeah and it's 5 years isn't it he's been he's been in charge for 5 yeah. years yeah um somebody's saying would would um Trevor agree that the the boys leaving should be followed by John Delaney? it's time for him to go
5: Well that's that's another day's work you know I really wouldn't like to comment on it for now but um you know Now he
2: there, there's a man that's not liked by certainly by the fans
5: Yeah well um I suppose you know it's it's a matter of opinion some some fans will give you one opinion other fans will give you another opinion but I, I just you know I'd like to go into it today but you know I I know that there's there's a lot of people calling for John Delaney to go as well I mean that was that was very evident in the last in the last few weeks you know what's gone on at the moment, but Irish football is not in a good place.
2: Yeah, and I think this is going to put focus on uh, John Delaney because I was reading, uh, somebody on on Twitter was making the point that Martin O'Neill should never have been given a new contract a year ago and uh, instead he was, and his salary was doubled to £2 a year that, you know, the FAI made a mistake there um, and ultimately that the buck stops with John Delaney. Yeah, I
5: mean, obviously Delaney... He's around a long time, he's he's a football man. He's um you know, I think he's started in the right place. He's in the grassroots football, he's done a lot of a lot of work for around the country. And he probably obviously obviously he believes that that Martin Luther is still the man to do it because of his track record. I mean he's a good record, uh, with club level and international level, like getting us to, to the Euros and so close to um, World Cup as I mentioned earlier. So he probably believes that you know he's still the right man to lead us into twenty twenty. Um but um you know, as we look to make it, you know, three Euros in a row. But um I, I think he just um couldn't couldn't um back it going mm. forward with so much criticism of the team, you know. I just Okay I and right
2: and, and here's one to finish on. Graham says, Who in their right mind now would take that job? Who does Trevor think will take over?
5: Well that's the thing. i I'm looking at Chris Uton has been mentioned Trish, he was uh assistant manager to Ireland manager to manage Brian Carr number of years ago and uh, he's doing a really good for Brighton in the Premier League, got Brighton up and uh, sustaining their challenge in the Premier League. Uh, there's been talk about Mick McCarthy coming back, which would be an interesting one and I know from speaking to people close at hand that uh, probably would fancy us coming back in. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did a really good job at Hartford and I think he played really good football on the Mick, probably our best football actually, on the Mick McCarthy and, um, you know, there's, other names we mentioned, Sam Allardyce, we always um, let his feelings know that he, He'd like to crack at international football again. You know, he's, he didn't last long in the England job, but you know, maybe he'd like to crack at doing the Irish job. So there's, there's a few names being branded about. It'll be interesting to see who, the, who they'll go for. And
2: will it be will it be announced fairly quickly? Do you think? I think
5: it will, it will be. Um, yeah. You know, because you've the um, the draw for the Euros was on December second, and some of the matches will be played in Ireland
2: yeah.
5: uh, for the Euros. So I, I think it'll be announced uh, quick enough.
2: Okay. All right, Trevor. Listen, we appreciate you taking our call. Thank you for that. Sure. And uh, bye bye. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Trevor Welsh, uh, who joins us from uh, Virgin Media, uh, where he sports commentator and broadcaster.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: In the next hour we'll be giving you the opportunity to win our family pass which is for a family of four people to go to see Cinderella at the Everyman on Thursday the 13th of of December Pantomime starts at half past seven but we want you there at six for a special VIP uh, reception we are also giving you a 50 euro voucher to be spent at Son of a Bun on McCurtain Street in Cork where you can enjoy the best burger in uh, Ireland But your chance to win a wonderful wonderful night at the Panto the next hour we will give you details of today's Panto question on your queue to call and give you the opportunity to win that lovely lovely prize you can check it all out if you want more information go to www www.everymancork.com We're going to be talking about water later on in this hour and in particular talking about what's going on in Kildare with the news that we're hearing today that the reservoir, the, new, the building of the reservoir which I have to say I thought was already underway but uh, there's a stall put on it because the old reservoir has some bats nesting there and they are a protected species so we're going to find out what's going on there but Irish Water and Cork County Council have been in contact to say that due to essential maintenance customers in high areas which are served from Fremont Reservoir may experience water disruptions uh, today. That's another area That seems to be getting a bit of a hammering when it comes to uh, water. People who are being served, but from the Fremont Reservoir, so you can expect disruptions uh, today. And Cork County Council and Irish Water, as always, apologise for any inconvenience caused. When I'm talking about the wonderful pantomime that will be going on in the Everyman, it opens on the first of December. There's also a pantomime I want to give a quick mention to that's going to be staged by the pupils of Davis College in Mallow and this year they're putting on Aladdin. It's going to be staged this night week, Wednesday the 28th of November, Thursday the 29th and Friday the 30th of November. So it'll run for three nights uh, with the doors opening at 7.15 and the show starting at half past uh, seven. Tickets, I imagine, are available from the school but whenever you get pupils up on stage... All the parents want to go along to see them. So did the brothers and sisters. So did the grannies and the aunts and uncles. So if you've got anybody involved in Aladdin pantomime at Davis College, I would suggest buying your tickets well in advance because they will sell out so, so uh, quickly. And the Donkey Sanctuary in Liscarrel have been in contact to say their popular annual Christmas craft and food fair is going to be held next Sunday, 25th of November from 12 noon until 4 in the afternoon. It'll be held at uh, Hannigan's Farm in Lyscarrel not at the Open Farm so it's at Hannigan's Farm in Lyscarrel next Sunday you can browse through about 30 stalls artisan gifts delicacies pick up stocking fillers while soaking up the wonderful atmosphere at Hannigan's Farm. And the Donkey Sanctuary products will be on sale. They do always they do fantastic Christmas cards and they do beautiful calendars as well. And they'll be available for purchase. And then there's going to be activities for the kids and your opportunity to meet and groom some of their most gentle donkeys. There are the most beautiful donkeys. Beautiful creatures. And if you've ever been out to the Donkey Sanctuary, you'll know what a special, special place uh, it is. So anything that we can do to help promote their work and obviously through fundraisers like that, that's how they keep the great work going. Throughout the year, where they care for those such gentle, gentle animals. So next Sunday, mark that in your your diary. Why not head out to Hannigan's Farm in Liscarroll for the Donkey Sanctuary's Craft uh, Fair? And Dunmanway Historical Society have been in contact with me to say they're launching their second wedding pictorial journal with over hundred and eighty wedding photographs. It's going to be launched this Friday, eight o'clock in Atkin's Hall in Dunmanway. All are welcome and the journals will be available for sale on the night. That's from the Dunmanway Historical Association. Some of your calls and follow-ups coming in to us. Oh, I want to follow up on this. Earlier this month, we heard from residents at Mount Nagel near Mallow Who had rubbish dumped in their area, and they actually sent us in photographs, and we put the photographs up on our Facebook page and on our Twitter account, and obviously we also contacted Cork County Council to find out what was going to be happening and whether they go out and clean up the rubbish, please. But it was just shocking sight to see, and you know, and the people in the area saying they're sick of it because it isn't the first time it's happened, and they, you know, there was that real sense of frustration on behalf of people who have to live in that area. Then, when all this dumping is going on, but Cork County Council have come back to us to say they do not comment on individual litter detections, complaints or investigations but they do say that the council receives in excess of 2,000 environmental complaints annually. Two thousands. Isn't that phenomenal? The council take every opportunity to inspect and gather evidence which identifies person or persons littering and where possible action is taken under the Waste Management and the Litter Pollution Acts. To report littering or illegal dumping you can contact the council's Anti-Litter Unit they are open 95 Monday to Friday at 021 428 5417 or alternatively you can call it's a 24 hour national environmental complaint line because often you'll be out on a Saturday and Sunday going for a nice leisurely walk and you might be walking through wonderful Parks or a wooded area, and you'll come across dumping. If you do, please put the complaint in because, as you know, most recessions somebody else has probably made the call. If everybody takes that attitude, nobody will make the call. And often, what can happen is if they get a lot of calls about one particular area where there's a lot of dumping going on, they'll move fairly swiftly uh, to clean it up. So, the National Environmental. Complaints line is 1850 365 121. 1850 365 121. It's kind of one of those phone numbers we should all just have in our phone, ready to go, that if you do come across uh, littering. But I I was kind of blown away by the 2,000 environmental complaints. Um, that's a lot of littering going on. It's, are we ever going to see an end to There's a dumping and fly tipping. And I know whenever we open the phone lines on dumping, we will inevitably get calls in from people saying that's the council's fault. When the council were collecting everybody's bins and when you didn't have to pay to get your rubbish collected and you left out your bins once a week and the council's bin man came, we didn't have the problem that we had with littering. And when... The whole thing of the council getting out of bin collection and selling it on to a private uh, company and letting a private company take over it—I don't know how many times we hear people saying, "Wait and see what kind of littering is going to happen in this country, not just here in Cork, nationwide, when people have to start paying to have their bins collected." Because you will always have people who will do everything possible to get out of paying for something and if they think they can get out of paying uh, one less bill and if they think they can do that by dumping their litter they unfortunately will they're not everybody majority of people are civic minded but not everybody uh, is but you know we always encourage people if you are out walking and what's the plogging is not the new one out? Uh, it's the word plastic and jogging put together and it's it's, it's an activity they're they're putting it forward now as a great activity for keeping fit <laughs> you do your bit of jogging but you pick up plastic at the same time so it's plogging and by stopping and bending down you know you're getting your squats in at the same time and it's an activity I think it was in Scandinavian countries was where it started first and do you remember we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago because it's got into the Collins the Collins English Dictionary is a new word so do a bit of plogging you can do it when you're walking as well if you're out walking and you come across some rubbish if you can have if you can pick it up and and bring it home would, you, would be great I know we certainly had a campaign going during the summer where we were asking everyone who was going to our beautiful beaches if everybody brought home three pieces of plastic it would be uh, terrific and if everyone just does their little bit um, while we're trying to get through to people and stop them dumping I don't know if we ever will but just on the plastics issue which is a big bugbear of mine and the single-use plastic and we're drowning in plastic and we need to do something about it. Thank you to Connor in McCroom to say, Patricia, have you heard the piece on the news regarding the sperm whale that was washed up in Indonesia and died in its stomach? It had 115 plastic cups. It had 25 plastic bottles. It had two flip Flops. It had ripped tarpaulins. It had four other different types of plastic bottles. It had thirty K no sorry, three kgs of rope and it had six kgs of plastic waste. Shocking stuff. That that'll tell you what Shit! Uh, there is in the sea. I uh, love your program. Um, this is Connor in, in McCroom. It's and it's our it's our marine life that is really uh, suffering. I mean, on that six kgs of plastic waste, the breakdown of whatever was, it was over a thousand other pieces of plastic. When they went through all what Connor talks about, the different plastic cups, the plastic bottles, the plastic bags, the the flip flops, the nylon sack, the different types of rope. And then they found a thousand other pieces of plastic that they put collectively in together and weighed, and it came out at six kgs. Oh my, sorry, Connor, I've just realised it was 25 plastic bags. And four plastic bottles was what was found in this poor sperm whale's uh, stomach. Now, unfortunately, the cause of death is still unknown and the carcass was to be buried yesterday without an autopsy and that was because of the uh, decayed condition. But you can assume, while all of it mightn't have directly killed the whale, it had to, in some way, have attributed to this majestic the majestic beast uh, had to, in some way, have attributed to his death. He, it couldn't be good to have had that amount of plastic inside in this uh, animal's uh, stomach. And there was another, it's not the first, because there was a pilot whale that died in Thailand earlier in the year. And when they did an autopsy on the pilot whale, there was um, eighty pieces of plastic in its stomach, and that Lisa Bonham program that I've quoted a few times that was on the BBC during the summer called "Drowning in Plastics." They were looking at little birds and fish and opening them up, and the amount of plastic inside. Even the smallest animals were picking up the plastic that is in our sea. We literally are drowning. In plastic, and you wonder, is enough been done? Is enough been done? Uh, And you know, I've said it many, many times before. While you know, we might be okay in our lifetime and we'll manage to get by, it is the next generation and the future generation will look back on our generation and say, What the hell? What those guys thinking of, why did they do nothing? why didn 't they do uh, more? only time will tell uh, Patricia says another text oh, this is on home helps. they wanted to ship home helps out to private companies. You can be sure of that this is they the hSC and the private companies the pay is less, and there 's no travel expenses for workers oh i didn 't realize that. I thought they were all paid the same so you 're saying home helps that work directly for the HSC that they're paid more and they do get travel expenses, whereas people who work for the private companies are on... Is that that €11 that we spoke about yesterday? €11 an hour. I know they don't get travel expenses. That's always been an issue for Home Helps. And you could have... You know, you think of Home Helps working in, say, very rural areas of West Cork, or indeed North Cork or East Cork as well. If it's a very rural area, you could have an elderly person, you know, living in living outside of a village and then you could have somebody on the far side of the village or the far side of the town it could be up to 10 kilometres of a difference between the two houses and yet a home help is expected you know to get to one person get them out of bed in the morning and then get into the car and drive the 10 kilometres whatever it is to the other person's house and get that person out of the bed and they don't get paid for the time or they don't get paid the travel expenses actually they have to use their own car which I've, al- I've always thought and seems uh, jolly unfair uh, 1850 and one I was asked to give out this phone number yesterday and again my apologies I didn't get to it in time this is to do with the BRCA gene and I know there are hundreds of women who were given the all clear for this BRCA gene which increases their chances of cancer are at the moment Facing a bit of an agonizing wait, trying to find out if they got the right result or not. And this all stems out over a story that broke in the Sunday Times. It's a story from Our Lady's Children's Hospital in Crumlin. Now, the reason it's ch- the, ch- the Children's Hospital will be mentioned is the Children's Hospital is actually where the National Center of Genetic Testing is based. And they have now been forced to do a look back from. 2006 up to the present day on 335 women who tested positive for the BRCA gene and the investigation then is going to track through those 365 women who they know got a positive result but they then need to make sure that all of those women were contacted and were told and were given the correct information and of course the story that came out on Sunday is a really tragic case of a woman who now we're told is very seriously ill with ovarian cancer. She obviously had a family history of people dying from breast cancer discovered that the BRCA gene was in her family so she did the right thing in 2009 she went along for testing uh, and, and and although the test which went to a laboratory in the UK said that this woman does have and carries and, and is does have the BRCA gene so is at a higher risk of developing breast cancer and ovarian cancer, they send that information back to our ladies' children's hospital in Cromlin. And somewhere along the line, she was told, no, you don't have the BRCA gene. You are OK. She got the wrong information. She then recently was diagnosed with cancer and obviously then checked back and said, but I was told that I wasn't at a higher risk. And then when they checked, they said, no, your result was positive. And she said, well, I was told uh, it wasn't. And then they realised, whoops, we've got a, a problem here. Her solicitor said the hospital's description of the blunder as a transaction error. Transaction error is galling. The solicitor said it's not a transaction error or an admin error, it's an error of grave, serious. Criminal proportions," she said. "This lady wants to urge all the women who have undergone genetic testing at the hospital over the last ten years to demand a review. And a spokeswoman for the hospital says it is doing a look back now, and it's going to prioritise the 335 test results that were given the positive, just to make sure that those women were given the correct uh, information. It will see if it was communicated uh, correctly to the women, to, to the women and to the women's doctor, and the hospital will then will then review cases where a woman got a negative result from the lab Um, when a BRCA test result is received back to the centre from the lab it's examined by a doctor the patient's chart is reviewed and it's sent to her referring clinician now a helpline has been set up it came into operation yesterday. But just to let you know, in case you are ringing the helpline, it's manned by admin staff. It's not manned by doctors because I know a lot of people when they ring these helplines, they've got medical questions. This is an, it's, it's, it's only administration staff that you're getting on to. But, you know, you might be able to ask them to make sure that your file gets checked and to see what way they're doing it, how long is it going to take when can you expect to hear Uh, etc but even though the calls are being manned by an ad somebody from the administration staff a spokesperson for the hospital said that all the calls will then be reviewed by a doctor so if you do have a particular question that an admin person can't answer log, get the question logged so that you know that when the doctor reviews the calls they may then uh, get back to you. Anyway, it's the helpline has been set up by Our Lady's Children's Hospital in Dublin it's 014096219 that's 014096219 and that helpline is operating Monday to Friday from nine to half past five 014096219 if you were tested for the BRCA gene at Our Lady's Children's Hospital in Crumlin In the last 10 years, Uh, give them a call if you have any questions. 1850 333 103. C103 Jobs. We've got a panel beater. This is wanted at Cavanaugh's in uh, Charleville. While Tots to Teens, they're a childcare facility in Carrick Navarre, they're looking for two full time childcare assistants with level five or level six. A child bander is required for the Donerail area. It's for three school-going boys starting in January, either in the children's home or the minder's home. Now, it will involve school pick-up and drop-offs, and it's five days a week. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is...
4: C103. Court today
1: with Breedhaven Nursing Home, Mallow. It's family-run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie.
2: C103. and when I was talking about as as a world, uh, we are drowning in plastics. What do we do about it? Mike in Bantry says, "Hi Trish, biodegradable packaging is the way to go." Yeah, absolutely, but it's more expensive. Plastic is cheap. That's the, that's the big big problem. But uh, yeah, if uh, if we could have a world with all biodegradable packaging, what a much better world we would live in, Mike, and what a wonderful world we would leave to future generations. Now, people living in the North Cork village of Kildare have been suffering from water outages on numerous occasions during the last couple of years. And according to an Irish Examiner report from Sean O'Reardon. The plans to build the much-needed new reservoir have been delayed because of a colony of bats. Fianna Councillor Franco Flynn uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Franco. Hey,
1: it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands.
2: Thank you
6: Good morning Patricia, good morning listeners.
2: Now the people of Kildallery have been
0: very patient.
2: How long did they wait for approval for the funding needed to conduct the work that Patricia, was needed?
6: this is going back to a meeting we had in Kildallery in October 2013.
2: 2013 uh, and we're up to 2018 uh, no, I've now. I've a
6: letter from Tom Barry since we the 13th to March 2014 that funding was in place. So it is go- it's going on for quite a long time. Now, in fairness, so uh, you would
2: have thought at that time, that by now, by Christmas of 2018, you would have thought it would have been a distant memory and all the work would have been completed. Oh,
6: without a doubt. And people at Kildallery, the businesses, the farmers and the householders, have they suffered. And uh, now quite a lot of work has been done. 1.9 kilometres of uh, problematic pipes have been replaced. That cost 235000 That replaced it in, in Rock Mills, in the village, uh, also from Scap to Kildallery. And also from Scarf Cross over to Meatstown and that was very, very helpful.
2: Now that but, was a big problem because there was aging water mains and they were constantly breaking.
6: But listeners and Patricia, what we need in Kildalry is this. We need to put in place a secure, quality, reliable water supply for the future, for the farming community, for the business people and above all for the housing community in Kildalry. And this will go on for far too long. And I asked at the meeting, because about a year ago, this time last year, we got funding, uh, we were told it was in place, that's a good thing, for the new proposed water Tower. We got planning in January. I asked for an update today, what was taking so long? And one of the things was, site investigation procurement is underway. I said, in this day and age, wouldn't you have that done before we get planning? In other words, was, this, was it the right place to, to put the tower? How long would it take that? Was it costly? Had we the funding to do it? But then we are told, at the end of it, and fair jokes to Kevin Mori, he said, Frank, because of the bad situation, they can only demolish the water tower existence between the months of September and February. Again, it puts it back. The earliest they said will be the end of 2019 and possibly going to 2020. So again, we are back at stage one again. It's taking far too long to solve the the, the problem with the water supply. Because you need, in this day and age, and water is the most important product you, could, you need a quality water guaranteed into the future.
2: Okay, I'm a bit confused here because, uh, and and you've confirmed it uh, as well, they're saying that you can only demolish the old the works can only be carried out to demolish the old reservoir in order to make way for the new one, and they can only do it in the off breeding season, yeah. which is from September to February. September this, to February. This is we we are right in the middle of September to February. Yeah. We're in November. Why can't they get in there and do it now?
6: Well, I passed yesterday. I designed and I I rang. Um, some local people here in Kildalli who are very concerned about it. One person who was very, very near it, who was very much involved, Patrick O'Brien, his chairman of the, of, of, in relation to, on behalf of the residents, he said, Frank, the first thing I said, we have a problem, I said, "pet with, with bats. He said, is there water in these bats? That was the first thing. He said, he never heard anything about bats. Just complete, anyone I'm talking to Kildalli in the last 24 hours, Patricia and listeners, they never heard that there was actually a problem with bats. Maybe Kildalli is going to be probably uh, one of the high points now for visitation because of this new phone bat problem that we have in Kildalli.
2: But if there are bats roosting there, and, and and they don't breed between September to February, we have now we're we're on the yeah. what are we, the twenty something of uh, the twenty first of November. So we've a, a couple of weeks left in November. We've okay. December and January, and into February, get in there and do the work now before they come back.
6: Patricia, the very same two great minds think alike. The very same question I asked: What was taking so long? And first of all, I cannot understand what the site investigations now, because all this work should be done before they made a decision to put the new walls. out there. All this was part of the planning. So they should move in now and they have ample time between, as you said, between now and... On and, uh, and February,
2: wh- because when when February comes, the bats come back and they start breeding and then you won't be able to move nope. in there.
6: we all know it. bats are protected. They're yeah. protected on, under the Wildlife Act of 76. They're also protected under the EU Habitat Directive. And uh, and.
2: And that's why uh, Councillor Timmy Collins, who, by the way, we put a call through, but uh, he we haven't been able to get through to him, saying we should shoot all the bats and get rid of them. Timmy, you can't be doing that because no, they are protected. Uh,
6: check had he had ye and the second thing we didn't check had he go, a license <laughs> for the gun <laughs> but the, the, the main thing is yeah, people in Kildallari never realised they had bet. we have a newfound interest now in bats in Kildallari maybe there could be major tourism we don't know even what kind of species of bats so the first thing any one of us in the chamber and I'm raising this now Patricia and listeners since October 2013 and I have numerous motions down there because I'm going to see this to the end on behalf of the people the business people the farming community and the f- householders in Kildallery. And I'm going to see it to the very end. It's the first time ever there was a mention of the word bat at any meeting in relation to any question that we raised this.
2: So we've no idea of knowing how many bats are there.
6: None whatsoever. No report. Are there?
2: Because there are there a number of different species of bats. Some are lesser down the pecking orders than others. It could be a very rare bat.
6: It could be. Uh, it could put yeah. Kildallery back in the map again. <laughs> we can have our own Batman, well, Kildallery? So, uh, I'm going to see it that in relation to the Kildallery that we are talking about a secure quality, reliable water supply.
2: Yeah, but we shouldn't laugh because it, it's, the it's business ridiculous.
6: People, and the farming community of Kildalry. Right. That's the most important. we deliver this for the people of Kildalry. Right.
2: Okay, but let's go back to basics. The money is there. It, this is not a funding issue. No,
6: and the money is there and, and it's ring fins for it.
2: So we just need to push for the work to be conducted. Exactly.
6: And now. And that was the reason my motion last Monday and then going to I've been on to Kevin Morey since that we get this in place as soon as possible and the time frame to uh, going back to twenty twenty is taking far too long. Yeah, And you know how to drive somewhere with this year. No bear, I, I know a local bar, he had the 21st birthday party, in no water on and, and ah. birthday night. Because the big problem with Kildare is we have a very, very short, uh, you could say, um, retention time for the supply. In other words, if anything happens whatsoever, the pumps are out, there's no water. So you need a reliable, quality um, backup system for if anything happens to the pumps, because yeah, lightning, ESB, Pump could burn out, so we we need an adequate backup supply. Yeah, okay. So we need. They a need to get in there. They need to get in there, get in there and, get,
2: and get this work done.
6: So we're going to t- see through. I am not going to let to go, and I'm going to k- any time we be meeting in the Northern Committee in relation to water, in relation to, we're going to see that this is put in place for the people at the
2: Okay, and get back to us if you get any information on the Patricia. bats. Thanks for that, um, uh, Fra- well, Frank. Bit of
6: good news for go That was in the, the Mellow Road Entrance Centre for my, Yeah, you know, and I've been on show a couple of times about this. We had a problem there with the footpath that was closed off for the best part of three years. The good news is now the contractor is in place since the last, last Monday three weeks we expected the work should be completed by Christmas it's the the, uh, the main road you could say from Rossley up to Killarney it was giving great, no use of it closed off completely to lo- local people from my and pedestrians as everyone knows from I's a very strong tours in the Blackwater Valley Busy, I'm delighted i went to thank Aidan Weir and bring now Arman, our local engineer because the first we had a lot of trouble there too Patricia. the first contractor who got the position to do it he decided to pull out because he, he he was from Galway he had another position now the present contractor is there and the work is progressing so it's great news for the people Good. of my
2: fabulous news thank you for that thanks, Frank Patricia. thanks uh, for joining us on bats uh, Dan says there's a protected species of an owl bat in my house for years the wife ah Dan shame on you anyway if anybody knows anything about those bats in uh, Kildare, I just I can't understand um, it's just because when I read the piece with um which on a this morning, I said, "Am I reading that right? That there was, there was, the council was saying that the work, the the demolition work, could only be carried out on site in the off breeding season, which is from September to February. Which we're right in the middle of. We're in the off breeding season, so get in there now. But isn't it interesting that Frank says nobody in the area knows anything about the the bats? Are they a new species of bats to the area? Are are bats now turning up in places where they've never been before?" Because of urbanisation and because building is going on traditionally in places where they would have nested before, has as it, it got to, to, has it to do with that? I wonder. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. But they are a protected species under the Wildlife um, Act, and for all bats, it is an offence to disturb injure or kill or destroy their uh, roosts. So I I do appreciate that the council have to do everything and contractors working have to do everything and make sure, you know, that they don't in any way disturb the bats. But if now is the time, this is the off-breeding season, then get in there and do it because failing that, they're going to have to wait until this time next year to do it. So if we're in the middle of the off breeding season now is the time to get in Uh, demolish the old reservoir and please build the new one Dogs for the Disabled are a Cork based charity who breed and train specially selected dogs to carry out a range of practical tasks to assist disabled children and adults in order to achieve greater independence to discuss their work and a call out to families in the Clonakilty area please to help with their puppy programme I'm joined by CEO and founder of Dogs for the Disabled and that is uh, uh, Jennifer Dowler. Good morning to you, Jennifer. Good morning, Patricia. It's uh, great uh, to talk to you. Well, it's great to talk to you. You have been up and running since 2007. Have you a number on how many dogs you've trained over all that time?
7: I think we've put out about 220 dogs so far. So a lot, really. Oh. Uh, and we, we've had a bumper year of breeding puppies this year as well. So it's a lot of, a lot of new new recruits going through our
2: programme. Outline how your dogs help the children and the adults that they go to.
7: So, basically, um, we set up in two thousand seven to fill a need that wasn't being provided for in Ireland. So, our dogs are trained to work with people with physical disabilities. So, uh, children and adults, wheelchair users, or children with difficulties walking, where the dogs are trained to open doors, turn on off, light switches, send for help, pick up easy drop, um, set off emergency services, call for help or help children. The difficulties walking to walk, so the dogs are trained to do a wide variety of tasks that will mitigate some of disabilities, help to give them greater independence.
2: What breed of dog do you do you use, Jennifer?
7: Okay, so we primarily use Labradors, Golden Retrievers, and crosses of both. We have all our own breeding stock, and we currently have a Poodles as well, super Poodles because we have a number of heart kids that have tracheostomies and can't have the hair going into the trachees. So, but it's mainly Labradors and Retrievers.
2: And is it important that you have your own breeding stock that you know the line of the dog and it's... Oh, it, 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 it's critical really is it?
7: because yeah. Um, yeah, we're dealing with very, very very disabled children and adults and um, we have to be confident sure that because the children can't get away from the dog so the dogs have to be secure with the children and they can't have any ounce of any behavioral thing going on in their, in the gene pool going back for yeah. them. So we have to be 100% sure that there is nothing questionable about this dog's temperament. Um, because really, we can't really get that phone call ever to say that there was an incident. Um, because our children fall on the dogs, our children might roll over their paws in the wheelchairs, you know, and things happen and the dogs have to have the tolerance to cope with it.
2: How much does it cost to train a dog?
7: So it costs uh, the charity fifteen thousand to produce each dog, and the charity um, fundraises all that money to operations within our office to generate the funds for each child or adult. So that each dog is gifted free of charge. So that means, yeah, I was,
2: I was, I was reading on your web um, site yesterday. You look for no money. No money changes hands between you and the no. family.
7: Nothing. nothing. I suppose we're very passionate about welfare for our dogs. So our main thing is once once money changes hands, it becomes a, uh, a legal contract in this country and, and, and ownership changes hands. So we want to make sure that we retain ownership of all our dogs. that okay. like, God forbid, if we have to withdraw a dog, we have the powers to do so. Um, because we are the legal owners of all our dogs. Okay. Um, and, and that's really important for us, for the, our welfare of our dogs going forward. And also I think it, 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 it controls the expectations as well on the dogs. So the dogs are, you know... They're gifted to people, mm. and 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 as well as that, our clients like a lot of them spend an awful lot of time in hospital. They can't be up fundraising and collecting buckets and doing all these things. You know, they're dealing with very sick children and adults, and they really. It's important that the most important people get
2: the dog. Well done, and it also means by not charging, it doesn't mean there's a cost that you can only get one of these dogs if you can afford it. I, I like that idea that it doesn't. Whether it's a, a pauper or a prince arrives at your door, if they've got yeah. a need for a dog, then then you're going to, you're going to listen to them. How long does it take to train a dog from from birth to when it would actually go into the home?
7: Okay, so it takes us two years. Oh, okay. it's a long Two time. So it's a, but it is, but, you know, we need to be honest and sure that these dogs are ready and equipped. So, it's not so much the training, as much as the dogs be mature and sensible, and being able to cope with what life will throw at them. Because, you know, that's the reality. The dogs need to have the mental maturity to cope with, with, with everyday difficulties. Um, but, I think breeding our own dogs means that we have a consistent um, supply of a very solid, stable kind of dogs that really suit our needs. So therefore, thankfully, we have a very high success rate. Um, And uh, what we're here today to talk about is our puppy programme. And because breeding our own puppies, we're we're guaranteeing, you know, greater success and everything.
2: Tell me about your prison breeding programme, which I believe is probably the only one of its kind in the world even.
7: Well, I, I, we, we don't know of anyone uh, else in the world. There is a few in in, in the States, the trained dogs. Um, we also have a training program for adult dogs. But we developed this initiative following being contacted by the women's prison in Dokus in Dublin, in Mount Joy. Um, so we went in, we visited the women, and we looked at the prison setup, and we decided that really wasn't big enough to train dogs, but breeding puppies was ideal. Because the women are there obviously 24-7, they don't have to go buy a bottle of milk. So they can be with the puppies around the clock. So 24-hour care, having a litter of puppies is hugely intense work. Like we have a litter of puppies that are up there and they're six weeks old and they uh, they get 24-hour care. So they've already done six weeks of early intervention programs programming with these puppies to prepare them to become assistance dogs already. So we, we invest hugely into our baby puppies. But if we didn't have the volunteers in in, in the women's prison to help us, we wouldn't have the financial means to be able to give the puppies the real good start that they really deserve and need.
2: that's a great scheme and I, and I imagine hugely beneficial for the women.
7: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Like it, it it is
7: hugely beneficial. Like the women um, it was quite a scary place when I first went in there.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> having never been in prison before, I've
7: never been in, no, not, not not in a secure prison before. And I was, uh, I found it quite daunting, and I was a bit apprehensive and everything. And um, because really, a lot of the women that I met, I said, "Oh, if I saw them, I probably cross the road." Um, but having met them and and how compassionate they are to our dogs and our puppies, like it's. It, it's given me a totally different view on everything, and the reality is all these people that are in prison will eventually get out and if they get out as better people, then it's better for everybody in society yeah. Well done. and well done. yeah yeah, and it's not for us to judge them they've already been judged in, in a court of law. So it's up to us to see the good in people. We really.
2: Listen there, but for the grace of God go any of us, you never know, or, yeah, any, or yeah. any one of ours. Now, yeah. so the, you, you're looking for families in Clonacilty. Ex- explain the commitment and, and what families would need to do.
7: Okay, so we're looking for families in because We're after a um, location of a very good trainer in Clonacilty. And what we want to do, we want to push are baby puppies that are going to be coming out of, of the Doca Centre in the next week or two um, into families um, for for about six weeks, okay? Um, we, and we want them living in a conical area so that the trainer in the area can support these puppies intensively for the six weeks that they're with their families. So what we're looking for is normal families, really. They don't have to have any dog knowledge. They have to have time. And they have to be loving and caring um, because it's like getting a little baby. It's going to be like getting a little baby. These puppies aren't going to walk very far. Um, they'll need to be carried a good bit. They'll have already started toilet training behaviours in prison. So they'll already be responding to basic commands. Um, but other than that, like they won't have big bladders about. They won't be fully toilet trained. They just need to see the world. They need to see and smell the world around them so that later on when they're fully trained, so they're not going to be frightened by things later on. So it's all about early preparation, not 12 weeks is a critical time in a dog's development. So we invest hugely in this period of time. So by having the trainer with the families around her locality, she can give them as much support as they need to get these puppies well equipped. We want confident, cheeky puppies. They're going to walk in the door with their tails held high. And, you know, think they're gorgeous. And
2: fabulous. So families with children, yeah, families, which any kind of families,
7: yeah. we not, we just need people to have the time and love and, you know, we're not, we're not looking for, um you know, really kind of loving, nurturing kind of families where they're going to just um, do as little or as much
2: as what's required, but okay. it's only for a short and period And does it, time. yeah, it, it literally is only six weeks, it's, it's fostering yeah. the puppy really for six fostering. weeks. If they have, if they have another dog, does that matter?
7: Okay, they obviously have to have, like you know, these are baby puppies. We don't want to put our puppies into families where they might be a dog where it's going to bully the puppies a lot. So they need to make sure that their puppies or their dogs are well behaved, okay, um, and sociable with other dogs. That's the key thing. If they're if they're adult dogs and they're good with other dogs and they're very Then there,
2: there be no fine. problem at all. Okay, yeah, that's no problem. all right. Who should, who should people contact, Jennifer? So
7: contact us directly. Um, contact um, Elizabeth um, at Dogs OGS for @disabled.ae and um, or ring us in the office in 021 so and we'd be delighted to deal with you okay. and help you guide you through the post. and even if you have just got questions or you just want to find out more about what we do doing, just get in touch now we only have one main phone line coming into the charity so
2: sometimes so it gets kids busy. can't get hold okay. of it <laughs> keep, so trying, keep trying uh, keep we, trying we, we will talk again it's a wonderful wonderful uh, charity so uh, Jennifer good luck with it and thanks for joining us today on the programme uh, good morning to you that is uh, Jennifer Dowler of Dogs for the Disabled anyone in the Clonakilty area I'll give that number out again after 12 but I've got to take a very quick break and go to the newsroom for News at 12
1: Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: As promised, in case you didn't have pen and paper at the ready, Dogs for Disabled in Clonakilty looking for families in the area who would will be willing to get involved in the coming weeks and foster a little baby puppy and you'd have him in your he or she in your household for about six weeks I think it would be hugely beneficial for everybody involved and I know people say oh how would you give it back after six weeks but you, you, you know in your heart and soul the good that that little puppy will one day do and how it will change a child with a severe disabilities so it will change that person's life it's a really good thing to get involved with if you think you can help out you're in the Conakilty area because that's where the trainer is that's why it has to be in that area so that the you and the puppy and the trainer has access to the dog during the six-week period. 021 431, 6627. 021 431 6627. Our are dogs for disabled dot ie is their uh, email address if you want to contact them there and we wish them uh, well. We'll, we'll, have, well we'll chat again with them I think they're a wonderful wonderful charity just doing the most amazing work and I think they go out and they fundraise all of the money they don't ask anything from any of the families really that is uh, such a, a, a good and a kind thing uh, to do once again just to remind you because I can see some people who may be working with us earlier on when I mentioned this I can see some questions coming in but we will hold them over uh, Peter Dowdell unfortunately not available to join us today he will join us next week so don't need any of your gardening questions today but any of the ones that have already come in we're making a note of them and we will put them to uh, Peter when he joins us next uh, week Philip says in light of the soccer management resignations and the possibility now of Mick McCarthy being reinstated this seemingly is quite a strong possibility Trevor Welch uh, said it's, uh, it's it, that's when I asked him who did he think would, would get it he thinks it could be Mick McCarthy and if you're online there's an of people saying, yeah, it's Mick McCarthy looks like being the person that they bring, will bring back and will reinstate. Anyway, Philip says, if that be the case, I hope that the derogatory verse about him in the Langer song would be removed. I saw Mick at Kerry Airport once and he made time to stop for a brief conversation, even though he was still having to check in for his own flight. He is a true gentleman, kind regards. We were talking about plastics. And how we 're drowning in plastics, and this awful story that's coming out of Indonesia of this beautiful, beautiful whale, how, when it was found dead, the amount of plastic in its stomach shocked so many people, a hundred and fifteen plastic cups, four plastic bottles, twenty five plastic bags, two flip flops, a nylon sack, uh, lot, rope, lots of rope, and a thousand other plastic just absolutely uh, shocking in with such a beautiful, beautiful animal, and it's just led to that whole discussion again about plastics, and what are we going to do about it and It was um, Mike in Bantry who had sent in the text saying it 's biodegradable that is the way we need to go. everybody needs to wake up to this. we need to stop making plastic and the only way forward is to go with a biodegradable uh, packaging well Making Pantry is back on to to say that uh, it is the same Mike it is the same Mike in Pantry. say hi Trish I remember my grandmother telling me that in Belgium the chip cartons were edible so when you ate your chips you then ate the carton as well no waste no litter to be good to have something like that uh, here yeah I've, I've seen uh, I've, I've heard about that before I didn't realise it was Belgium, saw something online where a country had introduced uh, that and they were looking at other ways that they could do it where you could actually have the carton and the wrapper and the cup I've seen it with a cup as well where it's not only biodegradable it's also edible but I mean it, it is certainly the way uh, to go but only time will tell whether we're going to get to that stage or not. Can we do our pantomime Is John Paul Frey he is. Okay pantomime mind time it is that time of year oh no it's not oh yes it is okay we have a question for you will we play the question we will
1: hello boys and, boys and girls, girls. Where are and chlorine cinderella's, cinderella's identical, identical twin sisters. sisters who shall go to prince charming's ball this christmas go on have a guess she loves to read her dad's an inventor and her best friends are
8: a talking clock a candlestick and a feather duster. <laughs>
2: Oh, that one I had to think about for a sec. But yeah, I've worked out who they're talking about. Who are Germaline and Chlorine uh, talking about? If you know the answer, you need to get dialing now. Caller 10 with the correct answer to 1850-333-103 will win the family pass, which is for a family of four to go to see Cinderella at the Everyman Thursday the 13th of December at half past seven with a VIP reception at uh, six. You're also getting a 50 euro voucher for Son of a Bun on McCurtain Street in Cork. Will I play it again? I will. Okay.
1: Hello boys, boys and, and girls, girls. we're Germany. and Chlorine Cinderella's, Cinderella's identical, identical twin, twin sisters. sisters. Who shall go to Prince Charming's Ball this Christmas? Go on,
4: have a guess. She loves to read her dad's an inventor and her best
8: friends are a talking clock, a candlestick and a feather duster. <laughs>
2: So the devil's was an inventor threw me off for a second but I don't know who Chermaline and Chlorine are talking about. Get dialing uh, and while we await our winner uh, into John Paul eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. 1850 a WhatsApp in from somebody who I'm assuming works as a home help and we were talking about home helps and home helps getting travel expenses and whether they get travel expenses or not. Listener says home helps do get travel expenses but last September it was cut in half. March to August we were getting 48 cents a mile or a kilometre, it's now gone down to 40, 24 cent. So it has been halved. Now I'm open to correction but because I, I know we've dealt with this before but that home helps that get travel expenses are just the ones that are employed directly by the HSE and the private companies who the HSE contract the work out for they're doing the work for the HSE but it's a private contractor who gets the home helps. As far as I know the private companies do not pay uh, travel expenses and it's one of the reasons why the job of a home help is less attractive to people if they're not getting any kind of travel exp- expenses they're expected to go into a house and do a job in a half an hour then get out of that house and go to their next house paying for the travel themselves and get in and out in half an hour. They could be going all day and then they could just have a few hours in the morning, then nothing throughout the day and then a few hours again at night. So it's all the split shifts and the, there is an anti-social hours nature to the work of Home Helps and I think that's got a lot to do with one of the reasons why more people are turning their back on that type of work and we, we only heard from one of the companies who came out of the weekend and was saying that, that you know, it's more people are deciding not who were Home Helps are giving it up and they're going into retail because they've got more regular hours and, you know, are they going into jobs where they're going to be working nine to five Are they get all their hours together in the morning or all their hours together in the afternoon. But it's just, it's the nature of the work. But if they're not getting travel expenses, it's, kind of, it's almost costing them, isn't it, to go to work. Now, exaggerated and false claims Uh, is something I love, love, love when I open the paper and see that somebody got caught out for making a false claim and an exaggerated claim because we know all of these spoof claims are costing all of us extra in our insurance uh, premiums and it's just galling to see people who are before the courts and it turns out that they've already had five six and seven claims our entire family members are all in claiming whiplash and we know we pay out we have a problem in this country in that we pay out so much for whiplash and it seems to be one of those injuries it's very hard to tell whether the person has it or not it's not like you break an arm and you take an x-ray Sorry, Judge, there's the x-ray. Look, at my arm is broken. It seems to be very hard to work out for sure if somebody is suffering from whiplash or not. And that's not taking away in any way from people who were involved in an accident and were left with excruciating pain because of whiplash. But it does seem to be the one that seems to get exaggerated the most. But there's a great story in the paper of a a pensioner, 75-year-old man, who decided, I'm taking this guy on. He was involved in a tip, but the only thing that you can say it was, Uh, He was, he rear, unfortunately, the 75-year-old man, rear-ended a car in front of him. And the guy inside in the car saw somebody taking photographs of, this was only a little tip, jumped out of the car, to stop the person taking photographs and the same guy then gets back into the car and when the ambulance arrives, he insists he's in so much pain that he has to be removed by a spinal board. It was an accident that happened at a roundabout in County Limerick back in 2013 when the driver of the first car slammed on the brakes. This poor 75-year-old man was coming up behind. Guy suddenly slammed on the brakes and he of course rear-ended him, tipped off him from looking at the information that's in the papers today. But the driver of the car looked for personal injuries and wanted €75,000 for the injury from just this other man tipping off the back of his car. Now, the pensioner wants to remain anonymous, but he was forced to defend uh, the claim and it's been going on for the last five years and it ended up in the High Court last week. The plaintiff did try to settle for damages but Aviva, which was the pensioner's uh, insurer, refused and it, it argued that the claim was exaggerated due to the minimal contact made between the two cars. But after five years of toing and froing, guess what? The plaintiff finally withdrew his case. The defendant, the, the elderly man, said he was mostly annoyed about the time-wasting involved and also legal fees of at least 40 Thousand euro. This poor man's wife is in a nursing home. He's suffering from Alzheimer's. She's suffering from Alzheimer's disease. Like he's got enough going on, and he just said the, the he described the incidents as wholly inconvenient. God help him. He said I knew all along I was in the right. He said I was amazed at how this man managed to turn a fender bender into a two day high court case. The pensioner says he he admitted yes I did I tipped the other driver's bumper but that was because he came to a sudden stop at the roundabout he said a friend of mine happened to be in the area at the time realised what was going on and started to take photographs that's when the other guy got out of his car and tried to obstruct this pensioner's friend from taking photographs and yet when the ambulance arrived he's back in wailing in pain and they had to get a spinal board out. Now Aviva the insurer launched a full investigation and they were satisfied that this was highly unlikely that there was any injuries could have been sustained from what was a tip between two cars. But what's really kind of sad about the case is this 75 year old man said the car was one of the great loves of his life he said it was like my toy I had it for years uh, and he said I now don't drive anymore he said I'm be-, he said not because of the accident but he said really it's just not worth all the hassle and he has his free travel so that's where he has to he uses the bus instead but it, it kind of saddens me that, seven, that 75 it's almost like he's been forced to give up the car he could have been driving for many many more years uh, to come anyway the head of fraud with Aviva says they now as part of their what they're calling zero tolerance strategy last minute approaches by a plaintiff to settle a claim for small money and legal costs they said simply it will not be entertained he said in this incident the offending motorist was taken to hospital on a spinal board where minutes earlier He'd been walking around without any apparent difficulty. He said incidents like this not only impact on the a and services but ultimately they waste the valuable time of the Guard and the courts. Now, and that's where there's been talks, uh, isn't there of going after people that make fraudulent and exaggerated uh, claims. I mean I think this guy they should go after this guy certainly for the costs for that, the €40,000 for that 75 for that year old man who had to defend it. They should also go after him for the costs of the ambulance being called, been taken out on a spinal board. How long did he spend in A&E? How much time did it cost the the Gardaí? And uh, and if found guilty, he should go to jail for it. Or if not go to jail, he certainly should be fined. Something has to stop those kind of claims. And I wonder, you see, he withdrew the case, so we don't know. I wonder if it had gone to court. Could we find out? I wonder, would he have had many more, you know, accidents like it? Is he just one of those very unlucky guys that keeps getting rear-ended or keeps getting involved in accidents where there's very little damage done to the car and yet he's claiming €75,000 in damages. So, well done to that pensioner and to Aviva who decided no we're not going to get caught on this one. We're going to fight it all the way. But it just, it galls me slightly. Just because he withdraws, withdraws the case, he walks away. 1850 You can stop calling us on our pantomime competition. Our pantomime with the Everyman Cork's favourite traditional pantomime. This year it's Cinderella. Here's today's answer.
1: The answer is... Beauty!
2: Beauty and the Beast thank you to Germaline and Chlorine for ably assisting us this week in our competition for the Everyman and Michael Cockham of Newcestown is our winner today congratulations to you Michael you and your family heading off to see Cinderella at the Everyman on Thursday the 13th of December along with that 50 euro voucher for a son of a, a bun on McCurtain Street in uh, Cork we'll do it again tomorrow and again on Friday, because every day this week we have those pastas to give away. And once again, our thanks to our good friends at the Everyman. And if you want to check out all about their fabulous pantomime, you can go to their website, EverymanCork.com.
4: The C103 Cork Diary.
2: With Cork County Council, supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork.
1: Visit CorkCoco.ie.
2: Bingo in Union Hall has been cancelled for for this evening. That is due to a local bereavement. You're invited to come along and bring your friends to buy a bag or some bling in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon. From half seven tonight, you can bid in the bag auction. Enjoy the hair and makeup demos, plus there is a gin tasting and nibblies event all on tonight. Great night assured. Money is raised from the night going to the Bandon Daycare Centre and the Bandon Christmas Street Festival. Irish Blood Transfusion Service They've got a donor clinic that's in St. Joseph's Daycare Centre in Mathmore That's on today between 6 and 9pm Femoi Widows Association, they're meeting uh, tonight at 8 15 in the Femoi Resource Centre. All widows and friends are welcome. Special guest tonight will be Marion Roach, who will be giving a floral demonstration. And the Friends of Marymount, they're hosting a Christmas floral demonstration and Christmas fair with Margaret Ahern of IFA. That's on tonight, starts at 8 and that's in the Oriole. House Hotel that's in Balancholic and CoAction are hosting their annual Christmas Food and Craft Fair tomorrow Thursday in the West Lodge Hotel in Banshee between 5 and 9 the usual stalls with some new ones as well this year Great raffle prizes, also tickets available from committee members, are the Co-Action Centre itself. This is their main fundraising event of the year, so your support would be gratefully appreciated. And Castle Magna players will perform their play, Big Maggie, this Friday, Saturday and Sunday. That's a fundraising event for the local uh, senior citizens uh, group. the show is on at 8 o'clock each night and tickets uh, 10 euro each will be available at the door on the night
4: Cork today
1: with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see Breedhaven.ie
4: C103 connect with C103 on Twitter find all the latest news and sport and stay in touch with what's happening across Cork search for our Twitter handle at C103
2: Cork and a texter reacting to that guy with the fraudulent claim against the 75-year-old man when he slammed on it looks like he slammed on the brakes at the roundabout and then the 75-year-old man got up and coming up behind tipped off him was uh, all it looked like, and then he went to court. Well, he was trying to go to court to get seventy-five thousand, but of course that guy was was planning on it never going to court. He was planning on the insurance company paying up. But luckily, Aviva listened to this gentleman who said this is a staged, a staged crash, and it's an exaggerated uh, claim. Somebody says that man should be put off the road for ten years. He should be hauled before the courts and tried for making a false claim. And then when found guilty, he should be fined, says a listener. On plastic and how we're drowning in plastic. How about an industry that recycles plastics in items like fence posts, furniture lats and reusable plastic sheets that could be moulded into useful items like car bumpers? What we need to do, says this texture, is stop the manufacture of single use plastic. Plastic sheets, plastic oil tanks, they use beads to make, plastic beads to make items. We need to stop that as opposed to steel tanks that may rust but they're not as bad, in my opinion, for the environment. We need to look at the way we are using plastic. Okay, thank you for that. 1850 333 Elaine says, Patricia, it was great to hear you talk about Clonic Hilty Hospital. My late mother was a patient there and we'll never be able to thank them for their kindness and the care that they gave to her. It is a wonderful, wonderful facility. Good to hear you talking about it today. Long may it continue. Let me stay on hospitals because Eileen, who is in canturk from North Wales, but in the North Cork area at the moment wants to talk about a particular hospital. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Eileen.
8: Good afternoon, Patricia. You
2: are, you, you, okay, I'm right in saying you live in North Wales, but you're in Kenturk at the moment. Correct, yes. Okay, now you, are you just on holidays? I'm on
8: holidays, yes. I'm visiting my family in Kenturk.
2: And how long have you been here?
8: I came on the 9th of August.
2: Well, that's a long holiday. (laughs)
8: Yes. (laughs) In between, I had um, a little sojourn. Your wonderful hospital in Mallow
2: So you became unwell And had to, and became a patient I did indeed yes Okay, and, and what did you make of Mallow General Hospital I think it's absolutely
8: fantastic From the building itself To the staff Each and every one of them It's fabulous
2: As good as anything you have in North Wales uh, Better in yeah. my view Great
8: Yes much much better You've got fantastic doctors and staff who are always delightful no matter what's going on in their life. And it's it's, it's just wonderful there. Long may it live.
2: And isn't it great to have a facility like that here in here in North Cork rather than having to go to the city first?
8: Well, the, the mind boggles as to what would happen if it closes. Yeah. I was very lucky to have a very good doctor here, Dr. Donal O'Reardon. Yeah. And he, uh, with his wisdom, was managed to be able to get me to Mallow to help, you know, with access and everything. Um, without him, of course, it all started there. I would never have known the pleasure of your hospital. But that's what it was. It was a pleasure. And I was treated so, so well.
2: And you, you, how long did you end up staying in for? Um, over a
8: num- over three periods, it was about a month.
2: Okay, all right, okay. And how how are you doing health wise?
8: Um, health wise, I'm fantastic. Great. I'm flying back to Wales today, and it's thanks to to the care that I got there.
2: Okay, I so see you're going back home for Christmas obviously now I is it? am,
8: indeed I think I've outstayed my welcome <laughs> with my beloved sister. I she can't saying. wait to get rid
2: of me. so it's it's so you, are you originally from the Canturk area? I, I mean? am
8: indeed okay. yes I was born went to school here um still got family here, thank goodness but of course i've I've lived in Wales and married a Welshman now deceased God bless him, and I've been there for forty five years.
2: Oh, and what took you to Wales on day one?
8: Well, on the very first day I went to Liverpool, actually, for heart surgery and ended up in North Wales. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a long trip. <laughs> you went to Liverpool for? I went to Liverpool when I was 21 for surgery and uh, ended up in North Wales, where I still live.
2: And why did you end up in Liverpool for heart surgery? Was it not available here?
8: It was not at that particular time available in Cork. In St. Finbar's. Yeah. So the surgeons at that point came to visit on request from uh, Liverpool. And they agreed to do the surgery at the time for me, if I went to them.
2: And this, and, you're saying this is what, 45 years ago?
8: Yes. Yes. Um, at that particular point, I was young enough um, to have a metal valve fitted, which was... Um, Quite rare in those days. That was
2: the first of the valves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's come on so much since then. Oh, my goodness.
8: It's marvellous what you've got, what you do in this country. It's brilliant. If you're lucky enough to get into the system to have it done. Yeah. But with Mallow Hospital on the doorstep, you can't go wrong for most things. Okay.
2: And so, but you'll come back to us again, Eileen. You will. I
8: certainly will. <laughs> I'll be delighted to and go and revisit the people who looked after
2: me. Ah, you're very good. Well, listen, safe trip back to uh, North Wales. Have a lovely Christmas. Well, long may it live for you all. Thank and you. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll talk again. God we bless. We will indeed. God bless. Mind yourself. What a Bye lovely then. lady that, um, and speaking highly of uh, Mallow Hospital. And she is right. We do have a fantastic system. Once we can get in, that seems to be the problem. Our delays are the waiting lists and the amount of people waiting to get to see a consultant. And then you get to see a consultant and you're told, yes, you need a procedure or you need an operation or whatever it is. And then you're put on another list and you're waiting to get to the top of that list to get called in. And then when you get close to the top of the list and you're near the time to get called, the hospital then are waiting because they haven't got a bed and people are caught in acute beds who shouldn't be in acute beds they when they went in initially they needed that bed but they don't need it anymore they now need a step down facility or they need to go home with a home care package even though I did see and I didn't get to it today I did see a piece here I have it here I did see a piece on the paper today that the HSE this is on the step down facilities and home care packages 550 additional home care packages are to be rolled out this is over the winter this is to try to Alleviate and relieve the worst weeks of the trolley crisis. This is all part of their winter planning. The series of emergency measures are going to cost around 16 million. They're part of the HSE's winter plan and it will see the triggering of a new suite of supports. Scores of mostly elderly and other hospital patients who are no longer in need of the acute care will be allowed home with support. For Christmas, and part of it is this 550 additional home care packages. Now, anybody listening who, at the moment, has a loved one and 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 in particular an elderly person who's in hospital is one of these delayed discharges. I'd be making the calls today to say, "Come on now, where are these 550 additional home care packages that were announced?" I think it was. Simon Harris himself actually uh, announced them and the home care packages. There's also going to be additional transitional care beds and 44 million has been set aside for aids and appliances which assist older people get home uh, over Christmas. So there's money there. They are spending money. But did we not discuss that earlier in the week when we were talking about the... The home care and the home help it's nothing to do with money. The money is there. They seem to throw money, but it's as to how the money is actually spent. But that should be a little bit of good news for people. The, the particularly the people on the delayed discharges who are desperately trying to get home and they can't get home because there, there hasn't been uh, there, they can't put a home care package together there's additional funding there additional funding for AIDS and uh, whatever let's see if we can get all the joined up thinking together and get those people back home where they want to be and where they deserve to be This is the Court Today replay on C103 and uh, a couple of people reacting to Eileen from Kentirk uh, with her lovely story and her kind kind words about Manor General Hospital. This one made me smile. So lovely to hear Eileen's story. Very very proud of Mallow General Hospital, and that's signed Mary Owens. Previous Don. <laughs> Mary was the was I was I would say matron, but it was director of nursing. Was it? The actual wording change of it. Um, thank you, uh, Mary. Good to have you have you listening, and she. Sheila in Kilvert says, hi Trish, that woman who you spoke with, Eileen, from Wales, but uh, in Cantor, but heading back today, uh, Sheila she says, that woman is quite right about Mallow General Hospital. I was in there 15 years ago when Mr Toomey and his team literally literally saved my life and the lovely homely care and staff the the lovely homely care the staff gave me afterwards was second to none long may it stay open said uh, Sheila in uh, Kilworth You you always get such glowing glowing uh, reports from people from Mallow and I would say Bantry General Hospital uh, as well on the other side of the county. There are two fabulous faci- facilities, and yeah, you're right, long, long may they uh, continue. Now, Cork Dog Action Welfare have been forced to close their doors due to the large amount of people contacting them, asking them to take in dogs. Uh, Katie Hogan of Cork Dogs uh, joins me uh, on the programme. Good afternoon to you, Katie. Hi Patricia, how yeah, are you? I'm very well. How many dogs and puppies are currently in your care?
9: Currently at the moment between fostering and kennels and our shelter we would have 70 plus dogs in our care and they keep on coming, Patricia, so it's gone a bit.
2: That's a huge um, amount. Paywire, yeah,
9: at the moment a huge amount of dogs and the, in our care.
2: And the biggest problem you're having is you're getting calls on a daily basis? We're getting calls from the same
9: the same areas really, which would be strays and neglect cases. But a huge amount at the moment are coming in from people who are just trying to rehome their dogs for whatever personal reasons, um, they will need us to be rehoming their dogs, or that they're becoming homeless, so that they need us to take their dogs into foster. And that's kind of where the glut is coming on is, fi- is finding foster homes for these dogs.
2: Now I can understand somebody, God help them, if they've become homeless and, and they're trying to get their dog looked after. What other reason do people ring up to say, I no longer want my dog?
9: Oh, you name it, Tricia, there's every reason there's down to um, And A lovely recent one was that the dog uh, shed. Um, there are that my boyfriend's stroke, husband's joke, wife, doesn't like dogs, wants to rehome the dog. A new baby in the house. Um, a new couch has been bought for Christmas. It is, the list is endless the list is endless um, in mm. most cases it is not down to the fault of the dog but that
2: they oh. are coming into us yeah as, as an the, animal lover and anybody mm. listening who's an animal lover they'll find that very hard to think that somebody can just decide one day a much loved mm. dog and the loyalty you get from a much loved yeah, dog terrific. can suddenly yeah, become surplus to requirement
9: it's extremely hard to understand um and and we struggle with the daily trying to trying to find now in some in some cases the the reasons are very very legitimate. We have owners going into nursing homes, we have people moving into rental accommodations that that aren't able to take dogs, and um, there are loads of legitimate reasons why why dogs end up in our care, and um, but there are loads of other reasons that um we can't explain and and it's it's very hard to understand why people rehome their dogs.
2: And you can't explain to the dog.
9: You can't explain to the dogs. The dogs come into us, in um, some of them in shock, some of them need a lot of rehabilitation. Some of them have also had lived lives of misery and neglect up to that point um, in gardens or in sheds. Um, So there's a lot of work that goes into them from our fosterers and from our volunteers to try and make them able to be homed again.
2: And this decision to say, sorry, no more room at the inn is a very hard decision for it's a charity like heart. yourselves to yeah, do.
9: Yeah, yeah, it it's a broken our hearts. We are up against the wall though. We 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 have nowhere for them to go. Our every foster is is full. Um the adoptions have slowed down, I suppose naturally before Christmas. People aren't thinking about getting a new dog and um a lot of the kennels have shut down and our shelter is full to the brim. So we actually have nowhere for them to go um, and no funds to pay for private private kenneling.
2: How can people help you?
9: There's so many ways people can help. Um, we Mainly foster applications. So if they go on to the dog, the AWG website or their Facebook page to apply to foster, to apply to adopt. So look at all the lovely needy dogs up on our page um, and see if you can adopt them. Um, funding. We're always looking for volunteers to shake a box or to send in, send in funding to pay for private kenneling for these dogs and to pay for their vet bills. And our vet bills are now um, at about ten to fifteen thousand euro a month. So, I mean, there's so many ways. Just get onto the website and just email us and telephone us and offer help um, because we need everything we can get to get us through Christmas. We're not even at the Christmas rush yet, and um, our doors are shut. And the dogs do need us.
2: And it's uh, it's that period after Christmas that it's always really tricky, isn't it, for charities like yours?
9: It is that and it's the run up to Christmas a lot of people now will be getting rid of older dogs but to make way for the new puppies for Oh Christmas. come Believe on Believe me that happens Yeah 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 that actually happens What is
2: wrong then, with these people?
9: I don't know I don't know I don't know be very, It's very hard to understand what goes on in people's heads but this is there is a, people justify something that they send in sicker older dogs that maybe the vet bills are higher and then they get the new puppy for Christmas and that is still happening that's not even a joke
2: and with that loyalty, that dogs, you know, God, it's just, mm. it's, it's. If, if only we could tap it and bottle it and, and give it to people. Yeah, when when a dog yeah. comes into a shelter like yours, are they forever sitting waiting, hoping that Mummy or daddy are going to come back? There's been a mistake. Yeah, yeah. We see,
9: we see that we see dogs um, gradually lose hope. Um, We see dogs that come into the shelter and the light that goes off in their eyes, that's where things just start getting, or they shut down. You know, we get a lot of dogs who actually just come into us very, very shut down and it takes a lot of work and rehabilitation to help them trust again or help them. Some of them come in and they're in perfect condition and they're easy to rehome, but that would be rarer than than the normal would be. You know, um, very, very sensitive dogs coming in who've been messed around a good bit and have given up.
2: And Katie, the payback and the love you get mm. from mm. a rehomed dog is incredible.
9: Oh God, they, they are forever grateful. They are forever grateful. They give you back a million times than you can ever give them. And um, we have many of our fosterers end up failing and keeping the dogs because those dogs become glued to that person for life oh. and become. Um, they they are so grateful and they they they've come in and sometimes they've never even been in a bed they've never even had a proper meal they've never even had been part of a family or been loved by anyone and um, they when they get that they they thrive they absolutely thrive under
2: that okay so it is dog action welfare group
9: cork dog cork dawg cork. on facebook or uh, www.dogactionwelfaregroup.ie and all of the information is there and we could do with all the help we can get at the moment we're on our knees.
2: Okay, hang yeah. in there, Katie. And listen, thanks a million Hi, for taking time out to talk to us. Um, thanks bye-bye. for talking to me. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Quite such upsetting, isn't it? To think of that dog's been dumped like that. Goodness me. That's uh, Katie Hogan, uh, Cork dog. If you can help out, D A W D. If you can help out in any way, please do. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon, and I'm back with you uh, tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon.
1: Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home, Mallow. It's. Family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie.
4: C103. Listen to C103 on your phone. Download the C103 app today. Go to the Google Play Store for Android or iTunes for iPhone and search C103 Cork. Download it today and listen straight away to C103.